got friends only want to talk business. I got expensive, because when is expensive. I got expensive, because when is expensive. I've been reading all the water. And I've been shutting out the stars. Yeah. when it rain and it pours. Yeah. And I'm ready for some more. And welcome to Put That Coffee Down, so the weekly sell show that focuses on great sales. My name's Kevin Hill. I'm your host for the next hour as we talk about sales. Great. And we have also Richie Daigle here, my guest co-host for this week, part of our FreightWave Sonar team. How are you doing today, Richie? Doing well, Kevin. Kevin Hill, good to be here. Good to be here. It's good yeah. to have you. Yeah, we're yeah. going to talk about sales. We're going to talk about freight. And we're going to talk about baseball, three of my most favorite topics <laughs> in the world. It's like a trifecta for the next hour. So thank you very much for joining us, Richie. Richie is part of our, our Sonar Sales team. And with that, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Kevin. Uh, like I said, tremendous honor to be here and be part of this uh, part of this production. But yeah, I'm Richie Daigle, part of the Sonar Sales team, uh, Enterprise Account Executive here at Freight Waves. I've uh, been here for a little bit over a year. And uh, before I was here, I was working in the adventure travel industry. So a bit new to the entire industry as well. Uh, learning a lot quickly from all of the amazing minds and brains that are part of the, the Freight Waves team here. And uh, yeah, here for the ride, man. Just uh, excited to see where we go. Glad, glad you're here. Glad you're at Freight Waves. Glad you're here on the show with me today. And don't be modest, Richie. You're, you're picking up picking it up a bit more than okay. I mean, you, you picked it up great over your last a year or so here at Freight Waves, new to the freight industry, which is oftentimes good because you can look at it as an outsider looking in. So you can see some of the some of the things that are taken for 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 granted or part of the status quo that don't really make sense. And it takes a, a little bit of thought and and uh and crafting a strategy from the outside sometimes to, to show those weak points in in, in the, the, the freight industry, logistics, whether you're a shipper, a freight broker, uh, a carrier, right? Uh, about how you do things. You know, this is the way we've always done it, which is, you know, one of the worst things that you can say in, in business, right? But the reason why, why you're not changing is this is the way we've always done it. Uh, that's uh, kind of a, a death knell to, to anyone who's trying to innovate and uh, move the ball forward. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think that, you know, just that perspective alone doesn't get you anywhere, right? You do need, uh, you know, to be part of a team that does have some experience too. And so I, I feel like I have been able to bring some perspectives to the team uh, from that outsider's viewpoint or, or perspective, but certainly I've been leaning heavily on the, the team internally here at FreightWaves as well to bounce ideas off of, and what about this? And tell me about this. And this doesn't make sense. Why do people do this thing? Um, and so, yeah, there's been a lot of great collaboration internally and um, a lot of teamwork as, as cliche and, and, you know, <laughs> as much as people <laughs> overhear that word, you know, it, it seems to be true here. It, it is very true. I mean, one thing that, that FreightWaves has is a collection of, of great minds who are very smart, I mean, highly intelligent and have a deep experience in, in the freight markets. And we all learn from each other. You know, back in the days when we were all in the office, Richie, you're there, you know, it's it's great. To, it's almost osmosis, right? You just walk in the room and, and you, you develop an expertise in freight because that's what everyone is talking about. 
we're working remote now, but that's what everyone's talking about on Zoom or Google Meet calls or the phone. Uh, everyone's still talking about freight, and it's still easy to pick it up here in Chattanooga, Tennessee at FreightWaves just because, uh, you know, our, our Rolodexes are full of people that we can pick up the phone and call internally who know more than the most or, you know, a handful of people in the world. Uh, about freight. And then on the outside, you know, the, the industry wide, we can just pick up the phone and answer any question we have in, in a matter of, of seconds. And, um, and part, uh, part of one of the, the, the questions, especially with freight brokerages, and uh, you have a little experience on the, on the brokerage industry, not in freight, but the, this whole, you know, the, these dynamics of two business models, really cradle to the grave, where you all you own the accounts, you own every every transaction uh, from cradle to the grave, from uh, you know getting carriers and getting the load, getting carriers, managing that load to its completion, taking care of your customer, upselling them, and then going out and getting new business or the buy-sell model or the Chicago model where uh, it's, it's more split into two. You have salespeople over here and then you have operations or carrier salespeople over there. And that's, that's theoretical. There's all kinds of, of shades of gray. Uh, in that, but we have uh, Justin Wendell uh, coming in from Axel Logistics here in about 20 minutes to, to talk about that. They run Cradle to the Grave, and I wanted to get their, their perspective on it. You can always find uh, a lot of Chicago buy and sell people uh, that, that that rave about it, and you can find Cradle to the Grave too, but I, I'd like to, 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 to get his perspective on it. That's what I ran as a freight broker, Cradle to the Grave. Uh, in in a, lot of, a lot of respects, it's really, really good. Uh, especially if you're a control freak like like me, uh, but but sometimes it's it's a lot of work and, and there are some issues uh, with scaling up. But I, I think Axel does a very good job of that over in Knoxville, Tennessee, and we are going to learn more about that. But first, let's tip the band. Let's talk about leads because this is sales, and let's talk about our sponsor Zimbles. And you want to crush your numbers to so stop random prospecting. Zimbles can tell you who is spending on shipping and gets you those leads instantly, taking your sales process from a 95% failure rate to a 50% success rate. Go to start.zimbles.com slash free trial. Once again, that's start.zimbles.com slash free trial and sign up for your free demo today. Start sourcing leads. Uh, start waste, uh, Stop wasting time uh, searching for people that you might be able to call and get a qualified list that you can go out and start banging out the phones or emails or however you reach out. Maybe it's LinkedIn, uh, but it's important, right? Right, Richie? It is to have, you know, cut, cut down the time of researching who to call and just being on the phone and selling. Absolutely. You want to use your time wisely and you want to take high probability, <laughs> make high probability phone calls. Uh, yeah, those types of resources are invaluable, 100%. Let's talk. Yeah, definitely. And let's talk about probabilities, Richie. And you were, uh, our audience probably doesn't know this. We know this in freeways, but our audience doesn't. Uh, you were a minor league pitcher for a few years, I believe, the, the Padres organization. Is that right? The Padres? That's right. I was with the Padres from 2005 through 2008. So I uh, spent a couple years in their, in their farm system. Uh, didn't make it to the majors. So I'm here at Freightways, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, did, I got the AAA for a day, so that was as far as I went. Hey, man, that, that's, that's farther than, than most people do, but let's talk about probabilities and pitching, right? Because you were a pitcher, and part of pitching is 
is keeping hitters off balance. And, and not well, in baseball, it is in a bad way, kind of, right? You want to keep them off balance, right? Uh, and that's speed, location, and ball movement, right? Those are the, the three major things of how you keep hitters off balance and how you approach a hitter, uh, whether it's the first, the first go around or the second or the third in a game or, or facing each other. It, it has a lot of analogies to sales. And I've always, I always believe this. I use baseball analogies in, in sales a lot of times because it is like baseball, right? That you go 0 for 4 one day and Man, you got to get up and, and go out there the next day and go maybe go for four again. But sometimes you go one for four, sometimes you go four for four, sometimes you go five for five. Uh, every day brings a different uh, different outcome in the same way with sales, right? Hundred percent. And you know, with with baseball and pitching especially, it's all about managing probabilities. And I was fortunate enough to be in spring training one year with uh, with Greg Maddox and Trevor Hoffman and Jake Peavy and a bunch of bunch of pitching greats and um, was definitely pestering them and asking them questions. I, I doubt any of them would remember me because I'm sure this happens every spring training and they've had really long careers <laughs> and I was just there for a little part of it. Um, but, you know, certainly what they said has stuck with me. And, uh, you know, talking with Maddox, you know, he would, he would say, based, you know, pitching is easy. The odds are in your favor. All the hitters are terrible, you know, from a, from an average perspective, the ones that are hitting 300 are getting out seven times out of 10. So you have a 70% chance to get them out, just throw strikes. Um, and so he would always start off with, you know, have a plan, know how to implement your plan and then be able to execute your plan. And the implementation was all about maximizing probabilities like that 30, that 70% chance of them getting a hit uh, or, or of you succeeding, I should say, the 30% chance mm -hmm. of getting it. That's not good enough. What Can we make that better? Can we get that percentage down to 90% 90, 90 chance of us getting them out and a 10% chance of them getting a hit? And if so, what information are they giving to us You know that can help us select pitches and locations that are going to better our odds? And then it's just a matter of executing. Um, so his argument was if you could do all three of those things and the math of baseball would say that you're going to be successful and you just trust that process. And even if you have a day where you have a bunch of runs, you just go back to the process and over the course of the season, it, you know, the numbers bear out for you. Um, I think there's some similarities with sales, you know, uh, it's a bit more nuanced and there are some differences, but at the same time, if you have a plan, you, you know how to listen to people and know how to implement that plan and really drive value, you're going to grow your, your probabilities in a, in a good direction. And if you're able to execute and, and deliver on that value, uh, then certainly you're going to be moving in a good direction. And I think it's, it's really now, it's just, you bring up pragmatics, probably one of my favorite pitchers, uh, you know, growing up, I grew up a Cubs fan. He started the Cubs. They idiotically traded them to the Braves or let him walk to the Braves. I, I, I don't think they traded him. They let him walk as a free agent because, you know, I, one of the reasons that they didn't think he would be great because he didn't have the, the, the power, right? I mean, I don't think he ever threw the ball in 90, even in his rookie season. He, he was never hit the 90s, I don't think. And certainly for the, the tail end of his career, he didn't, right? No, but what always... he did really. Mm -hmm. There are always rumors that they were adding uh, five miles an hour to his uh, to his on TV velocity just to make it look respectable. I don't know if that was true or not, but it was certainly talked about. And you know, yeah. you know, Paul Bird's another pitcher like that. I know Paul Bird threw a complete game shutout in the majors without throwing a single pitch over eighty. Um, mm -hmm. And 
Yeah, I mean, that just speaks, you know, you don't need speed. That's just one thing that betters your probabilities, but there's a number of other methodologies in pitching that can get equal results. And and that's a really good point because the same thing in sales, you want to play toward your strength, right? Where you're good, you really want to focus and, and concentrate on. And not that you're not improving your weaknesses, but I wouldn't spend a lot of time on your weaknesses and just really focus on your, your strengths. You know, Maddox, during the 80s, we had great ball movement. He kept everyone off balance. Uh, certainly, I mean, the, the results and the outcomes of, of the, that great career uh, speaks for itself is that you don't always have to be the, the superstar salesperson. You don't always have to be uh, the, the most natural. But if you work at it and if you execute, right, you, you lay out a strategy, you implement it, you execute it, uh, good things are going to happen no matter what you do in life. Hundred percent, and you got to throw strikes. I mean, I can't tell you. I mean, every rookie ball team and baseball has a handful of guys that throw a hundred, and they don't know where the ball's going. You know, and, and in sales, you have those guys that are just uh-huh. have these massive personalities, and they can just come charging into a conversation. But if they don't have pointed direction and can answer questions and really drive value, then you know, there's it's like throwing balls. You know, you have all this great energy, but it's not focused. Um, so mm-hmm. throwing strikes is key. And that's the first thing you learn in, in minor league baseball is those strikes. I mean, it's not the home runs that hurt you. It's not the doubles. It's the two people you walked before you gave up a home run. It's the the guy you hit and the walk after that before the double. It's putting yep. runners on base unnecessarily. That's what hurts you as a pitcher. And so same thing in sales. Like if, if you're wasting time with missed opportunities because you're not focused with your messaging and your outreach and, and the your communications, then, you know, there, there's a lot of, you know, missed efforts there and that can, that can pile up and, and bite you into, you know, <laughs> it, can get it, you is. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, it's, it's such a great analogy because it's a series of pitches, right? It's a series of, if you take one, one hitter, one plate appearance, it's a series of pitches, right? It's a cat and mouse game, right? Mm-hmm. A, a sales, the sales process, the same thing, right? It's one plate appearance, and it's a cat and mouse game. If you, if you miss on on that that first pitch, right, and it's a ball instead of a strike, right, now you're in a hole. The probability shifts mm-hmm. dramatically, right? So throwing strikes, getting ahead, right, getting ahead, and you can take that analogy, um, you know, and pinpoint it to to actual, you know, building value, um, building rapport, things like that, uh, which I think would be a great blog post for you. Because you're now an author, but before we talk about that, I have a Slack message here from George Abernathy, and he's wondering if you ever got Greg Maddox's autograph. I never did. I have a good story about that, about another person who attempted Let's to get an autograph. But I, I, no, I was once you once you're like wearing the same jerseys, you just you yeah. know the the autograph stuff has gone away. At least that's how I I envisioned it. But uh, yeah, I, I think you got something priceless, right? You know. The, you know what what people would would pay to sit down with Greg Maddox and him to really speak at length about his strategy and, and how he goes about pitching and what he does. I mean, that's I I would love to, to spend fifteen minutes with Greg, Greg Maddox, but I'm spending 50, I'm spending an hour with you, and that's even better for me because <laughs> we're talking about sales and uh, we we're talking about something before I interrupted. What was that, Ricky? You brought oh, up something. Weird. That's a good question. It, it escaped me as well. I think we were talking about pressure <laughs> and you know the, the the similarities between pitching and like the the at bat and the the sales process and 
you know, mm-hmm. I, I do think there are a lot of similarities there. And, you know, I, I think it's important to understand those key moments, you know, and the three most important counts in, in all of baseball are 0 one one and, and 2-2. Two, two. Because the the difference from a stat mm-hmm. angle between a 1-0 and a 0-1 count are massive. And the difference between a 1-2 count and a 2-1 count are massive. And you never want to go to a 3-2 count because everybody knows a fastball is coming 95% of the time. That's not good either. Yeah. So those specific counts are, are crucial. And as a pitcher, you recognize that. And you're like, I have to throw something that is 100% going to be a strike and on target in these situations. I think sales uh, process, you know, there are those moments that open up and exist in in every sales process where you have to recognize that this is a make or break moment, that this is um, a key moment, like in in chess, you know, they have those key moments where this is where the game turns and everything hinges on one move. That exists in sales too. And you have to recognize those moments and you have to be aware of that and think carefully through it and make sure that you're on target with your messaging and the value that you're providing. Uh, Cause yeah, that, that can, that can swing things one way or the other, um, you know, very quickly. You're exactly right. Every, every step in that process, every communication, every follow-up, it changes the probabilities. If you don't get it right, it changes the prob- probabilities in a very wild way, right? That, that two, two pitch, right? You know, there's a big difference between three and two and an out, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a huge difference. You got to make that pitch. And if you don't make that pitch, you've just dug yourself a hole. And then you have to, you, you, you put pressure on yourself because you have to make a perfect pitch after that, right? So, so you know, pitch and pitch, right? Pitching in sales and, and pitching in baseball. So what, what, no matter what pitch it is, you have to, uh, to, to be exact and the most, more precise that you have to be. Uh, the more pressure you put on yourself and, uh, you know, the lower probability that you have. Now, I, I remember what I was saying, and it was, so, so you're on what the truck earlier today at noon. You're on put that coffee down now. It's like a media blitz. And you're also now a published author. Tell us a little bit about the blog post you wrote for our uh, sonar.freightwaves.com website. Yeah, you know, the, it was right after the whole GameStop thing happened and you know there was a number of different people writing a number of different things about you know this event but and i thought it was an important event that was happening um you know in in regards to a small number of people kind of taking control of the narrative uh and and, you know forcing the 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 GameStop stock prices to go up and, and so forth and you can read all about that and i was kind of using that as a as a catalyst to um you kind of analyze the, the trucking market and the transportation industry. And, and, you know, like we talked about earlier, I'm, I'm relatively new. I'm, I still have a bit of an outsider's perspective. And, um, you know, the big thing that, that I took away from the GameStop thing was uh, somebody taking control of the narrative uh, that wasn't one of the massive players. And mm-hmm. um, I think that, you know, what's happening with Sonar and, and what we're, where we are with, uh, not only Sonar, but a lot of other digital stuff that that's coming into play uh, where people are able to have real transparency and really understand what's happening in the market and hold others accountable. Um, and that prevents people from, uh, or at least removes the environment for people to to dictate the narrative or, or control the narrative in a way that would uh, you know make competition maybe not as fair. So, you know, the, the way I, I likened it is, you know, 
prior to Sonar and, and, and prior to the digital revolution, if you will, uh, which I, I think Sonar is kind of on the, the cutting edge of, um, mm-hmm. you, know, you had, you know, the only people that had that insight into real-time market conditions were companies that had operations large enough to be able to kind of feel some of those pressures day in and day out. And, you know, now that, that allowed them to, they knew that. And certainly, I don't know if they did or not, or if they didn't, but the environment was such where they could control that narrative and determine what information came out and so forth. Now that with sonar and, and making that visibility into the freight industry available for anybody and everybody, it brings a level of objectivity to the marketplace that allows for, for more fair competition, regardless of how si- the size of your company. Um, and I, I think that just makes the playing field that much more exciting and, um, you know, it's just better for the overall industry. So, yeah, I wrote a blog. That's that's a, a really long, like, 45-floor elevator. <laughs> 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 no, that's okay. It's okay. You're, you're definitely right. You know, bringing that, that, that data that only a few players had and, and democratizing it, getting it out, making it to where, um, everyone has access to maybe not the exact same data, right? You have your in-house data, you have external data, but a large enough data size of the market that everyone has a really great view into it, right? And uh, it democratizes that. It, it kind of removes some of the asymmetry in the market, which is good for the industry. Um, yeah, if you're holding on to those asymmetries uh, as a player, then it's maybe not quite as good for you, but it's uh, it turns into from a competitive advantage to a, a cost of doing business, and, and that's how all markets kind of kind of go. And, and it's a great analogy with GameStop and the financial markets because you're seeing that you've seen that over the last 30 or 40 years, and it just keeps accelerating. And it, it's something that we'll see in uh, freight, logistics, uh, trucking, ocean, everything. Uh, everything's digitizing, and uh, and sonar is definitely on the forefront of that. Hundred percent, you know, and I think there's something to be said for a lot of success coming to companies that are willing to embrace, you know, the the change, and and mm-hmm. companies that start using objectivity like Sonar in those discussions, you know, between shippers and brokers and shippers and carriers, if they can point to something and say, you know, here's the conditions, and now we can have a conversation about a situation that works well for everybody, uh, where everybody has, you know. A lot of trust can be built on that because now you know where where your partners stand and you don't have that little voice in the back of your head going, oh, man, I wonder if I'm getting screwed over here, <laughs> you know, regardless of what, what <laughs> side of the fence you're on. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, it can help uh, really strengthen a lot of relation, a lot of business relationships when uh, when that transparency exists on both sides. I, I definitely. Can. So, so before we bring Justin onto the show. Let's go back to baseball just for a second. Uh, yeah. Who was the, the most famous hitter you you faced in the minors? Oh man, I, I pitched against Omar Vizquel. Um, he got one time, and he had a squibbly little hit down the first base line. Uh, I mean, it was just yeah. I mean, I sawed him off. I beat him, and he's Omar Vizquel, so he knows how to miss hit a baseball into a base hit. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I had lots of. Uh, a lot of battles with Pablo Sandoval. We were a bit of rivals. Um, I pitched against him a lot. He he took me deep maybe once. I got him out a lot. Uh, I will say I, I kind of had a, a a way 
where I would just throw the ball right at him first or second pitch and, and kind of <laughs> knock him down, not trying to hit him, although I did hit him several times, um, but ma- mainly wanted to get him rattled. And then knowing good and well that he wasn't quite as good of a hitter when he was upset. Um, if he was calm, he was very difficult to get out. Um, Carlos Gonzalez, I pitched against quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Sean Rodriguez, uh, Man, I could go on. There's a number of guys, but yeah, those those are some of the names that immediately jump jump to mind. And brushback pitches, and it is analogous to getting people's attention, right? And that, that's really big in the cells. But we'll, we'll get into that in another episode, Richie. Definitely. I love to bring on uh, Just, Justin Wandell. Uh, he's a general manager from Axel Logistics up in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, Justin, thank you for joining us today. Yes, sir. Kevin, can you hear me? I can. I, I can loud and clear. Cool. Thank yeah, we had much. Some, uh, some, some glitches at the beginning. Thanks for having me on. I, I appreciate it. Honored, honored to be here, man. We uh, actually went on a put that coffee down deep dive this weekend. I, I, I listened to hours. The, the content is money, man. It's, it's good. After this, we're gonna, uh, our salespeople are going to re- be required to subscribe. So, um, yeah. Glad to be here, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. You must not have had much to do this weekend. Now, it was a beautiful, gorgeous weekend here in Chattanooga. I'm sure it was up the road in Knoxville. So, yeah, I was, uh, I was I terrible. Hope you're, outside. Man, terrible hope you're outside listening. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, no doubt. Well, thank you. Um, so, well, let's uh, let's talk, Justin. Uh, before we get started, uh, how did you get in freight? How did you get started in freight? We'll get your story and then Axel's story, and then we'll talk about Cradle to the Grave. Yeah, good question, man. So um, first job out of college, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm brainwashed to say, but uh, college, man, waited tables, sold insurance, uh, had a lot of failed entrepreneurial gigs, had a little um, a Google AdSense website, uh, Twitter ads where we, where we uh, make content, uh, kind of like you all, but like way more just clickbait um you know so then found these guys had a friend uh working for him at the time i think you know this was five years ago so axel was a 30 million dollar company we have a run rate of uh 400 million now so it's been a it's been a rocket ship and uh that has and certainly a, a, a fun ride so um, yeah, that's kind of kind of my gig. I, I came in as a as a broker, a logistics consultant, as we call it, uh, cradle to grave. Um, mm-hmm. You know, worked into another role as a team leader, and then and then uh, which I love that role as well. And and then now I've I've kind of been more of the coaching guy, leadership guy. We're um, we moved into a corporate headquarters, maybe an IT guy now. So um, that's that's kind of my path. I'm not an IT guy. I would have figured this out. A maintenance guy. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Well, before we get to uh, to the actual, you kind of gave us the actual story. So before we get into the cradle to the grave and the analysis of it, uh, let, let's talk, uh, thank our sponsor once again um, to Zimbles. In the frustration of chasing dead leads and start using Zimbles data, Zimbles will get you to the companies that are spending on trucking and logistics. So you know where to focus your selling. Go to start.zimbles.com slash free trial and sign up for a demo today. Once again, that's start.zimbles.com slash free trial. So, um, so, so Justin, 
Axle Logistics, Cradle to the Grave, uh, kind of the pod system. I, give us your overview or your definition between Cradle to the Grave and the buy-sell and, and kind of the, the main differentiators between those two. Yeah, great question. So, um, Axel, we we offer we also offer the buy sell as well. It's under the same roof, um, which we can get to that later. It's kind of you know something unique we bring to the marketplace. It's a little different as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but cradle to grave is great, right? So, from a, a tactical day to day standpoint, um, it's all about responsiveness and agility, right? So we're you know mm-hmm. we're quicker to respond, we're quicker to source capacity, we're quicker to mitigate problems which in turn, you know, saves customers time and money. Um, you know, so I love Credo Grave. We're, we're set up in pods or teams that do the same exact job function. They're quoting, they're, um, they're sourcing capacity, they're building carrier relationships, um, and also they're salespeople as well. Um, but further, you know, I love the people that it brings, right? So we, I think we talked earlier, Kevin, um, mm-hmm. My dad was a, a salesman, and, and he used to say, you know, if you're if you're selling something, you got to believe in the product, right? So what, mm-hmm. what's what's interesting about freight sales, and um, you know, specifically Cradle to Grave, is uh, you got to believe in yourself, right? You are the product. Um, so what, what's fun about Axel is we're you know we hire young, high energy entrepreneurs um, that believe in themselves. Um, and in turn, our, our interests are, are very much aligned with, with our customers, right? We pay people very well. We, we promote people very well. Um, and that's why we're able to grow because, you know, our, our customers feel that tenacity, right? They want to win every shipment. They want to be the best. They want to provide elite level service because they're incentivized to do so. That's good stuff. And, um, yeah, and you kind of answered the, the question that I have a little bit, but, but maybe you can expound on it a little bit as well. Um, you know, before joining FreightWaves, I worked in in the adventure travel industry, and and one of the companies I worked for was mostly a broker for travel. We didn't own any tours; we sold other people's tours, um, and so we were a middleman, right? Where we would we would just take a commission on everything that we were selling and, and so forth. And we, you know, when I was a, a manager with that company, we experimented with a cradle to grave. Uh, you know, set up and then also a split setup where you had sales and operations for separate teams. And, you know, there are pros and cons to each, you know, we were always trying to find a way to balance and, and kind of lessen the cons and, and really grow on the pros in each model. But with cradle to grave, it seems like the challenge is you may have some teammates or some people who are just dynamic, amazing salespeople. Incredible. But when it comes to the operations part, you know, the, the, the towards the grave part of the, of the sale, maybe they're not the most organized or maybe they're kind of dropping the ball or they're not responding or, you know, that's not their strong suit. And then you may have the opposite. You may have people who are just, you know, maybe not the most outgoing salespeople, but at the same time, just amazing post-sale. Like the service is incredible. And, right. and that can kind of want drive that would drive us to want to go into that split model, right? Where, uh, but there's certainly some 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 big pros to that cradle to grave, you know, setup where you have one person controlling the entire life cycle of a sale, uh, so they're able to build that relationship. How do you balance that um, in the cradle to grave? How do you balance those dynamics? Is it is it hiring or is it training? Or um, just curious to hear your thoughts there. Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, you know, Axel, 
excellent both models, which I, I find interesting. And the 360 is what we call cradle to grave. The 360 model, we have Fortune 500 companies that do extremely well. We've been able to, you know, divide and conquer, right? So high mm -hmm. level, you start a relationship with the corporate uh, contact, and then you have planners that are uh, compartmentalized by either location or, or, or shipping point or destination or whatever. Um, and we've found success with that. And then we've had smaller companies that you think would fit the mold of a, of a buy-sell model that maybe have eight-stop deliveries that are extremely difficult and they need uh, who you're talking about, extremely carrier-focused representative, building these relationships, uh, selling the load, selling the shipment. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, it's, it's not a, uh, a one-size-fits-all. And I think to plug Axel, that's why we're winning uh, quickly, right? We're, 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 we're not tiny. We're, we're big enough where we have scope, we have capacity, um, but we're, we're small enough and not, not, you know, privately held with no private equity money that we are putting resources before they're needed and, and hiring before they're needed um, to kind of let people, you know, create their swim lanes. You know, I, my analogy is, um, I don't know if you guys follow basketball, but Steph Curry, when he came to the league, um, he, he Nike came in with his endorsement deal and they're like, Hey, you're a C level uh, endorsement or whatever. You get these perks of being a C level endorsed guy. And he bounced on Nike and went to Under Armour. And uh, in turn, you know, as of 2017, he was worth like something like 30 billion to, to Under Armour. So that's kind of our approach when we bring on customers is, Hey, you're not buying this out of the box, this stock version, you go to buy, sell, or you go to 360. Uh, it's more like, uh, you know, what do you need? And, and, and we'll put as many resources behind it because we're still in growth mode, still service at that high level. Um, so if I'm hearing so, you correctly, so, you're, you're, go, go ahead, Kevin. No, go, go, no, no, no go Richie. Yep. No, I just I'm 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 going in this stream of consciousness consciousness. If I'm hearing you correctly here, uh you're really listening to your customers' needs first. And then based on where, where your customer's at, you can determine which model is gonna suit their needs best. Um Definitely. am I hearing you correctly there? Definitely, man. And it may change, you know, as we grow with customers, as they become Steph Curry and or whatever, you know, we can put the resources, we can continue to put resources behind that makes the most sense uh, mm -hmm. for their business and how they need communication and how they need service. Um, but yeah, I mean, figuring out what they want. I, your Kevin, your podcast with Lee and Nicole, where they're talking about, you know, sales mm -hmm. and saying, we're the best at this, we're the best at this, we're the best at that. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we've been able to create like a system behind the scenes um, that is is the best in incentives that align with them. But we're listening to what they want and then aligning it. But then we're paying people to actually live up to that, uh, fundamentally put it in, you know, put them up to success to live up to that service that we're looking for. And yeah, so I, I, it's, it's, it's interesting because sales differentiation is something that, that I'm always studying myself. And, and Lee has a great book, you know, sales differentiation. I can't recommend it enough, especially in the freight brokerage industry where, uh, you are. You're, you're calling. You're, you're calling. Well, we're a small. If you're a small brokerage, right? Well, we're a small brokerage, so you're just not a number. You know, mm -hmm. um, you get personalized service, and then you hang up, and and five minutes later, another small broker is going to give the same pitch to the same shipper, right? And if you're a large brokerage, is you know we have the scale, we have the carrier connections, whatever right. you want to say, right? Then and, and five minutes later, from a large freight broker, they're going to get the same call. 
from a rep that has about, about the same pitch as you do, right? No it's going to sound exactly like it. And it's really about how you position, how you bundle uh, to, 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 to really, and that, that's something that it's, it's more of how you sell in freight brokerage than, than what you sell, because we all sell the same thing, you know, no whether it's, you know, you know, whether it's buy, sell or cradle to the grave, uh, the shipper doesn't really care too much. It's, you know, how can we, you efficiently move my freight, be on time, have competitive rates and, and have great service. Whether you do that cradle to the grave or buy, sell, it doesn't really matter to me as long as we do that. Um, I, on the sell side of it, so I came from, you know, my first job to, in freight brokerage was cradle to the grave, right? And um, and I was selling myself and probably the reason why I wasn't such a great freight broker because I wasn't such a great freight broker. And, uh, and, and, and myself, you know, I, I could do other things really well. You know, selling, I, I never figured out sales to, uh, to, to the shippers all that, all that well. You know, I, I, I did okay. Uh, but then I had to go cover the load and, and everything. And it really constricted my time. I, I worked a lot of cross-border Mexico, which can uh, get complicated really fast. And all of a sudden, it's eight hours and you haven't made a single sales call. And sure. Another eight hours the next day, you haven't made a single sales call, right? And I always struggled with that. If I was in a pure sales role, in other industries, especially, I mean, I just pick up the phone and call. I make make a hundred calls a day, no big deal. I didn't have to actually go out and fulfill the um, the, the obligation of what I'm selling. But as a critical to the grave, you do right. You have to go out right. and cover it, and you know, it, it kind of keeps you out of bad situations because you learn very quick. You know, I'm never going to be able to cover this, and there's no sense of even trying. You know, with, with cheap freight. But how does uh, how does uh, you know actual logistics? How how does your sales floor manage their time because that was always always the hardest thing for me yeah that's a great question and and that's the uh that's the biggest hurdle right because you're it's a multifaceted job um you know sales is the name of the game if you want to scale uh i think i think people one you know we've we've and i keep going back to it but uh we're in growth mode right so we're we're hiring mm -hmm. before it makes sense from a Maybe a PNL standpoint or or, or whatever. But, but, so so but, but specifically, like like a, a broker on the floor right now, you know, yeah. how does they how how do you break up the time? How do you keep focused to to make enough sales calls to grow your yeah, business question, while you're also doing that? You know, really specifically that. So time management. That's what we're coaching. You know, daily. You got it. If you uh, if you you have any ideas, let me know, Kevin, because that's the, that's the struggle. <laughs> Um, but being intentional, you know, I mean, that's a big piece of it, right? Mm -hmm. It's like very team environment. You've been on brokerage floors before, open floor plan. It's like, they're, you know, their team leader says, hey, man, you go sell for an hour. I'll cover and check call. Because you know, you know as well as I do, you can stay busy uh, all day and be oh. extremely busy um, and still yeah. not be putting up touches and shots um, that are going to produce results. Um, so so I think, go ahead, sorry. Mm -hmm. so, so it kind of leads into the pod. The, the pod. So, so for people out there who, who aren't familiar with um, when we say pods, right? It's I, I think it's very much Access America type of type right. of uh, yeah. system, right? It's, it's it's that same system of pods because we had a cradle of grave. We always tried to do pods, but it never really worked out um, mm -hmm. for for a whole host of reasons, right? Uh, you know, some, sometimes we were very competitive with one another. Maybe you know, there's there's a whole whole thing. You know, it's, it's kind of like a jungle oh, yeah. out on that that floor of of the mighty survive but uh, when we talk about pods can you go through the, the pod system 
Right, yeah. So uh, basically, you have a team leader that sits on the end of the pod, then you have four people on each on each team. Uh, the idea is that you get every single employee that manage that you manage as a team leader. Um, so everyone's doing the same job function, right? They're selling, managing freight, managing accounts, tracking, tracing, managing. Um, when a uh, consultant gets too busy, right, they've, they've landed a lot of business um, and they're too busy to effectively still sell mm-hmm. and operate freight, as you talked about. Um, we start kind of coaching them up, putting them in fast track leadership. Uh, a lot of these people are, you know, guys and gals are 22, 23 years old. They've hit the ground running. They're, they're entrepreneurs. And now we're like, okay, now you got to manage four people. Um, so that's a challenge, right? And, but but yeah. from there, you break off that pod and you start your own and you hire someone. You give them a little bit of business uh, to teach them the game. And then uh, you, you still you keep selling to backfill that business mm-hmm. that you gave them. Um, so the idea is that it's infinitely scalable. Um, you know, and, and what it does as well is, is when you hire these, these young, motivated entrepreneurs, high energy, you, you fundamentally set them up for success because you're giving them business, you're matching mm-hmm. their cases, right? They're already winners and you're teaching them how to, how to win harder. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the challenge, right? Okay. When you get to that point, that's yeah. the bottleneck. And then, uh, we alleviate that by hiring more people and, and, and divvying up some of the business. Richie? Yeah, when you're hiring, are you looking at, uh, are you hiring differently when you are hiring for cradle to grave positions than, um, you know, the, the split model? Or are you just kind of trying to hire the best person and plugging them where, where you have openings? Yeah, that's a good question. So, yeah, uh, split model is different hiring than, than 360. A lot of, uh, we hire most frequently for the 360 model. Um, but you know, that's, that's another thing that's great about it. Uh, I think both of you touched on it. Um, when you don't really know when you're introduced, uh, to freight brokerage, you're not sure what your path is. Um, we found success in people coming in and doing the 360 model and finding their swim lane and saying, Hey, I'm really good at this carrier stuff, but I do not like getting hung up on, you know? Um, and then we're able to adjust from there. Uh, and vice versa, you know, we have people that come on the split model and they're they're doing a fantastic job uh, booking carriers, but they they're it's it maybe is monotonous to them and they they want to get on the phones and and try to try to create the hunt of bringing on business. Um, so did that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. I, I guess that's that's mostly what I was expecting, but it's always good to hear it as well. Cause, um, yeah, the models are different. I imagine hiring, there's some nuances that have to be, uh, have to be addressed during that process. Right. I, I think one of the, the most important things and, and you probably, you probably, you kind of went into it just a second ago, uh, Justin, but, but whenever I came into freight brokerage, I, we were cradle to the grave, right? Uh, I didn't book anyone else's loads. I got on the phone and started making calls. And I have no idea what I'm selling, you know, because it's 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 a, it's a tough game, right? And and Richie's just been going through it as well, you know, flatbed, dry van, you know, reefer, you know, all these these different weird words that you know. So I was making calls, and you know, I'd win some freight. I'm like, oh, that's great. Until I realized, you know, when you're new and doing this, oftentimes the the, the freight that you get to, to begin with is from shippers who can't pawn that freight off to anybody else. Those have burned through a lot of people because it's just horrible, 
right? It, it's just horrible freight, right? So I, I've, I've always been a big believer, no matter what you do, whether it's buy, sell, whether it's cradle to the grave, is new people coming into industry need to start out with carrier sales and, and some booking or operations, carrier sales operations, right? Learning the ins and outs of how that load gets moved, what you have to do from appointment times to tracking and tracing uh, to, uh, you know, uh, you know, going through, you know, a missing load, right? All those, those great learnings, you know, the, those learning applications that keep you up at night, uh, put about 20 pounds on you, give you an ulcer, right? You, you need to learn those before you can really get on the phone and know what you're selling and and, and really have the tools to be successful. Right. No, I agree. And and, and we, we do that in the, in the credit and grave as well. It's kind of, you know, you're running your team mm-hmm. leaders business to start yeah, off. Yeah. Um, you're learning what they have. You're learning how to quote. Pricing's big in this. You're checking. Pricing, yeah checking sonar every morning trying to figure out where the rejections yeah. are and um but yeah i mean th- that's a challenge too i mean you you, you want to know what you're talking about a little bit before you call people um but then again it goes back to sales i mean you're just asking what they need right and i'm sure somebody mm-hmm. in office uh has experienced it before and that's that's the benefit of the open floor plan besides the the competitiveness and the the gamification and you know the mm-hmm. the challenges of the fist fights um no, i'm just kidding fights, but um you know it's 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 uh barely you know that's what's great about it right because somebody knows something uh, that's why i love working here i love working at freight brokers because i get smarter i know i'm not the smartest person in the room i come in here somebody knows something i don't um and it's experienced something i don't because a lot of the job is on the job on the spot uh training and, and uh you know, stolen load, right? How long does it take before that happens? And, you know, I mean, that's, that, you know, that's, that's the, that's what's fun about the job, I think. And you you get the right people together and, and, and it gets interesting. (laughs) Definitely touched on something there. I know when I started at Freightways, you know, that that was my first job in in the industry as a new industry for me. And so it was a bit overwhelming. And, and um, at, at first, and, you know, when you start thinking about, having to have all the answers, it feels even more overwhelming. But, you know, I, right. like you, I, I've, I've waited tables and bartended and, you know, had wine lists that had 500 bottles of wine and all this. And, and, and you know, I, I kind of thought back to that and it's like, you don't have to have all the answers. You have to know where all the answers live. And, right. and that's the key is, is I need to know where to go to get the answer. I don't need to have the answer. I just need to know where I can get it quickly. Um, what, you know, apart from like the the great like camaraderie and, and the teamwork and the atmosphere that you've built, how are you equipping your new hires? You know, what resources are you giving them so that they know where they can get those answers quickly when they're uh, not sure of something? Yeah, that's a good question as well. Um, you know, we have, Sonar would be one, right? Sonar, definitely. Sonar's huge. Actually, I wish... I wish you could see our TV. So we're in a new, we're in Knoxville, new corporate headquarters. The main TV, beautiful, is, uh, like 14 screens. You maybe have seen a picture of it. We just have sonar all day. Um, you know, it helps the salespeople, right? Buy, it helps cradle the grave and buy sell, buy low into the, into the, uh, into the rejection markets, and then and then just cold call the other one. Um, but yeah, equipping them with that, right? We, I mean, tools, technology. We, we have everything that the big players have, formalized training, uh, leadership training, 
um, you know, mentorship programs besides your actual team lead. So when you're starting out, it's like, hey, this guy, you can reach out to him as well to get a different perspective. Um, you know, daily, daily, weekly huddle ups and, and kind of small groups just to kind of be able to identify because we're getting bigger now. Right. I mean, if before when there was 20 people, you knew who was the flatbed expert, you knew who was the drage expert. Um, you know, now pushing 200 employees, um, we're making sure that we 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 get FaceTime with people that are uh, experts in their in their whatever their industry or commodity. And so, so, Justin, you just uh, you mentioned something on, on cold calling, right? And, and using mm-hmm. Tinder rejections uh, to formulate where you're going to cold call. Can you describe that? You know, go into that. Give us a little bit more detail on that. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, that's an easy, especially when you start out and you're like, "What am I talking about?" Like you, like you mentioned earlier, um, <laughs> yeah. it's a warm like, hey, I, I, I see that you, I, I see that your market is experiencing high volume Tinder rejections. How can I help? I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's a really easy way to say um, you maybe need help, right? Um, and, 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 you know, we do some other things too. Uh, Sonar BI tool where we can see our trucks in the market. Um, so you're, you're telling the truth. Hey, I got 20 trucks in the market. I see that, you know, rates have spiked and, and spot volumes at an all-time high. I'd love to help you. Um, so that's kind of what we do. We send a hot list out, a rejection map out in the morning. Uh, mm-hmm. We gamify that too, right? Incentives. Anybody who can get a get a shipment from one of these rejection areas, you know, gets gets paid to do so, and and it gets fun. You know, that's where the hunt begins. What? How's that working out for you? It's great, man. I mean, the market's crazy right now, um, as you know, um, as you all know. Um, but it, it, it's a great time to help people, especially if you um, if you're incentivized to do so, right? So going back to it, our our team is. Uh, their tenacity is there, so it aligns with the customers, especially when you know their their volumes are at an all time high, their businesses are growing, um, rates are at an all time high too. So it's that trust factor, right? They're, they're looking for someone that's going to get them a truck quickly. Ports are backed up, so it's already two weeks late when it hits the port, um, and they they need someone that's going to work hard for them. Um, and I think that's what we've we've been able to successfully set up um is a, is a system in the back end that that makes makes them want to work hard for their customers so, so justin on your your sales techniques um you know going out and prospecting have you guys incorporated video at all yeah and, and video kind of uh, you know video messages inside your email or inside linkedin you know anything you know other than phone have you guys started experimenting around with that so I was just talking to our, our director of national sales about that. He was like, this is a great idea. Um, and people sell to me like that all the time as well for software. Um, I think it's great, man. I mean, you know, without seeing people face to face, travel is cut down and we're kind of, uh, you know, we're a commodity, right? There's 19,000 brokerages. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anything to, uh, to disarm them, I think it's a great idea, right? How do you get someone to trust you in eight yeah. seconds? That's what I always say. It's tone. They can't see your body language. Yeah. If you change your pitch and raise it up, then you sound untrustworthy. I mean, cold call sales is tough behind the phone. It is. It definitely is. So, Justin, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, yeah. Kind of wraps up. We're running out of time a little bit, but I wanted to leave enough time on the clock here. Uh, 
for for you to, to reach out to the audience, tell them uh, you know how to to learn more about Axel Logistics and how to contact you directly. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for having me on the show, guys. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, you can uh, if, if you're interested in a job opportunity, we're we're definitely hiring in Knoxville and Chattanooga. Um, you can reach out to me, LinkedIn, Justin Wandell, uh, careers at axelogistics.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, it's a great place to be. I mean, we're, I always tell people, they laugh at me out here, but I'm, you know, I say these are the rarest people in the world. They're borderline unemployable anywhere else. Um, and that's because we, we give them a ton of ownership, right? And we compensate them mm-hmm. to work hard for their customers and it's, and it's working. Um, so yeah, we, we'd be glad to talk and, uh, and yeah, thanks again for having me on. And Justin Wandell on LinkedIn, they can reach out to you uh, there as well, right? That's me. Yes, sir. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, Richie and I would like to uh, to thank you immensely for, for coming on the show. It's been, it's been great. I always like talking about Cradle to the Grave. Yeah. Enjoy it, man. Y'all have a good day. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Justin. That's interesting. A credit to the Greg, uh, Axel Logistics doing great up in, in Knoxville and Richie using sonar to, to plan out their cold calls. Yeah, it's brilliant. You know, it, it, it touches mm-hmm. back to what we were talking about with baseball and probabilities. And if you can, yep. uh, you know, take make high probability sales calls, uh, it's the, you know, the numbers are going to play in your favor. You know, and everyone always talks they about are. sales is a numbers game. Sales is a numbers game. Well, that's wonderful, but like, how are you bettering your numbers and control your environment? Mm-hmm. You know, and and if you do that, then you start making more with less, and, and you get it. I guarantee. Yeah, I, I guarantee you start calling uh, markets. You know, shippers and markets where you know tender rejection rates are north of twenty percent, and they're feeling the pain. They're looking for every. They'll, they'll talk to you, anybody and everybody who might be able to help. Right. And that, that's when it's good to be a freight, freight salesperson that when it's three percent tender rejection rates and you're calling people there, you know, it, it's not as enjoyable, but uh, <laughs> and not as, as 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 high probability. So 2019 was rough for everybody. 2020 uh, on, on the sales angle, you know, we can talk margins and expansion, contraction all day long. But on the sell side, uh, landing new customers, uh, prospecting is much better. And talking about 3PL and 3PLs, we have the 3PL Summit coming up next Wednesday. A week from Wednesday, it's, it's going to be awesome. It is going to be an awesome show. It's our next virtual event. And I have the lineup here. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of things. We're going to have Lee Stalls back on, talk about sales differentiation with Andrew Silver. We're going to have Bruce Chan, analyst, equity analyst over at Steeple uh, here. Um Live on Great Quarter Guys, you know, Chad, Chad Eichlenberg here in Chattanooga and um, an Armstrong Transport Group talking about carrier vetting, which is always a, a very important topic. We also have Ann Ranke, the, uh, the the new president and CEO of PIA, talking about the, the future of great brokerages. And we have Lily Shun from Transfix talking about digital freight brokers. So uh, the whole gamut. Uh, Mark Ford from Blue Grace and Dave Growing from NFI are going to talk about carrier sourcing strategies. So it is going to be eight hours of full-fledged entertainment. We'll have What the Truck. We'll have Put That Copy Down on there. We'll have great quarter guys as well, all coming to you live next Wednesday, March 24th, starting at 9 a.m. You excited, Richie? It's going to be a big day. 
That's full. It is. That's a lot of big names there. I mean, you could spread it those is. names out over a week and you'd be all right. You put them all in a day. That's, that's I know. Uh, I know. The toughest thing about this conference, because I, I, I put together an agenda on the speakers, is uh, I, I, was at, I was at five o'clock before I even knew. You know, I had enough content for five o'clock and there's like five or six other things I wanted sessions to do uh, about, but I couldn't run it. They wouldn't let me run it to eight o'clock at night. I, I probably would have if I could, but they, they wouldn't let me. So it might go a little bit past five o'clock even still. It, it might creep into the six o'clock. You never know, Richie. You never know. So uh, it's, it's going to be exciting, though. And then April 7th, we have our Enterprise Fleet Summit. So, uh, Richie, uh, what are your thoughts about today? I mean, you've been on, on live TV twice now here at Freight Waves in one day. What's your takeaway? It's crazy. It's crazy. What happened? Um, no, I mean, this conversation was wonderful. I, I love what he was saying about, um, you know, listening to the client's needs and then determining which model, you know, having, having both models in your arsenal and being able to apply whatever works best is, is, is brilliant. You know, and I, I see a lot of value there and, and, uh, and certainly a lot that, uh, a lot that they can do. And, um, yeah, and that just goes right back to, you know, doing, you know, listening to your, your client. Yeah, you can hear my dog. He's got <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, lis- listening to your clients and finding the best solution that's the best solution for them and then and then working around that. Uh, it's absolutely brilliant. It really, it really is. So, so Richie, how does our audience reach out and learn more uh, about you, learn more about Sonar um, right now? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, my email is rdaigle at freightwaves.com. So just R in my last name, D-A-I-G-L-E at freightwaves.com. I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, you know, we have a lot of great resources on the website about Sonar, but certainly if you have some some direct questions or uh, even if you're just curious about what it is and what it can do and, and how it works and why it exists and so forth, uh, you know, feel free to reach out. Happy to uh, to have those discussions with you and answer any questions you have and see what we can do for you. Awesome. That, that's that's perfect, Richie. Yeah, if, if you have any questions at all about Sonar, reach out to, to Richie, uh, you know, email, LinkedIn, any way you want to get in contact with them. If you see a post, uh, put that copy down. That's going to be coming out on LinkedIn right after this. Richie's tagged right there so you can get a hold of them right there as well but it's, it's always a, an awesome show uh i always like talking about sales i got to talk about baseball too i got to talk about freight and cradle to the grave i, I got all these good and bad memories flooding me uh, as i talked about my my early days selling freight brokerage and then covering trucks and then everything that goes wrong you know you've never really lived until you've 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 had someone call you and and tell you point blank that we're holding this load hostage for because a coworker did this to me three months ago. And, um, and you're just like, well, I don't know. I guess I'm going to call the cops now. And you call the cops or, uh, I, you know, or one time, uh, a delivery guy out on, uh, on some land got kicked off, kicked off the site before we unloaded. That was three days of drama. Uh, but with that, we're going to wrap it for this week and, uh, join us, Again, next Monday, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, live for another episode of Put That Coffee Down. I got friends only want to talk business. I got expensive because when is expensive. I got expensive because when is expensive. I've been out of work. And I've been shutting out the stars. Yeah. Cause when it rains and it pours. Yeah. And I'm ready for some more.